Hello everyone, welcome to Ubi Estimia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is a chat with Christian Picciolini. Christian is a very interesting man, and he was kind enough to be a guest on my other show, You, Me, Them, Everybody, in the middle of July of 2017 at the Hungry Brain in Chicago, Illinois. The reason why we're releasing this in the middle of August in 2017 is because of the events in Charlottesville and across the nation. Now, Christian has a very interesting backstory. He was uh, one of the leaders of the neo-Nazi movement in the late 80s and early 90s, and that happened in Chicago. And uh, he has changed quite a bit. He's written a book called Romantic Violence, Memoirs of an American Skinhead. That came out in 2016. It is definitely worth your time. Maybe more importantly, definitely more importantly, he's also a co-founder of Life After Hate. Now, these groups are important. Uh, This group received a grant from the government, and that grant was given by President Obama, and that grant was rescinded by President Trump. Now, Samantha B., you might know her. She's got a fantastic show called Full Frontal with Samantha B. She's trying to help raise money for that group now. You might have seen Christian on CNN. You might have heard Christian on NPR and many other radio stations. So this is a very... Interesting time in American history, and Christian definitely has a unique perspective and a unique point of view, and maybe some answers, and I think that's worth hearing. Now, the show that we do, You Me Them Everybody, is a late-night style talk show. It is fun. Therefore, there is some laughter. There, It's not completely serious. Yes, we are talking about very, very heavy topics, but we're not taking it to... A serious place, if that makes sense. We're not, we're not, this is nothing to joke about, but there is some levity here. Just be forewarned. Uh, some other voices you will hear on the microphone is WGN's own Esmeralda Leone. Uh, she is the co host of You Me Them, everybody. And uh, our house band for the evening is Seth Vanek. So if you want to hear the entire episode, it's a great episode. Daniel Knox is on it. Uh, go to you, me, them, everybody.com. But this episode, I think, is very, very important. And uh, thanks for listening to this intro. So here's an interview that we did with Christian in the middle of July of 2017 at The Hungry Brain. Ladies and gentlemen, whose name I'm going to intentionally mispronounce, please put your hands together for Christian Piccolini, everybody. Christian, please come to the stage. Tupac's changes? Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Hello. Christian, I intentionally mispronounced your last name because it's part of your book. My name is part of me, too. That is technically true. Uh, Christian, how do I actually pronounce your last name? It is pronounced Picciolini, like okay. Peach. Uh, because you are clearly an Italian-American man. That is correct. I was also the bouncer there for a couple seconds because the two people that walked in tried to hand me their IDs <laughs> when I was sitting at the bar. To be fair, you are kind of dressed like a bouncer, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Yes. Jeans are a sensible uh, attire. It's good to have on a black shirt and a black hat. Well, what people don't know is when I'm done with my interview that the cover charge actually goes up to $5. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So um, you wrote a book that is very important, and when you published it, I don't think you realized how important it would be. No. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. Okay, the name of the book is? It's called Romantic Violence, Memoirs of an American Skinhead. And because you are not Hulk Hogan, you actually live these things, uh, you were a skinhead. I was. And more importantly than just being a skinhead, hey, all you other loser skinheads out there, try harder. I know you're a big listener to the show. Um, 
You were a huge skinhead. Uh, huge, huge skinhead population <laughs> and Sinclair Broadcasting Management. Those are our only two <laughs> listening groups. Ah, yes. Um, Who you, do you think's doing a terrorism yeah. launch, right? Looking for brown people. <laughs> yes, terrorism is the best word to use for this. You were one of the best terrorists of the late 80s and early 90s. I don't think I've ever heard those two words put together. Best terrorist. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, there's got to be a best for everything, that's right? That's right. Good or bad. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Please change your Twitter bio to what I just said. <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, from uh, 1987 to 1995, I was a member of America's first neo-Nazi skinhead group. I was 14 years old when I joined, and I was 22 when I left. And that was 22 years ago. Wait, so where, where are you from? Chicago. Okay. And most people don't know that. The neo-Nazi skinhead movement was actually born on the south side of Chicago. Oh, interesting. Is it interesting, or once you think about it for like two seconds, you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, but I think they would organize. So. That yeah. well. I just think that the most, seg- the most segregated city in America, like, yeah, we're pretty cool at starting some cool stuff, guys. Like the biggest skinhead movement. So, uh, that was a long time ago. But it's still clearly who you are. It's part of your life. It, it determined your outcome. And you're using really bad stuff to turn it into really good stuff. Yeah, I've actually, for the last 20 years, I've been uh, helping people leave the movement that I helped build. Um, and st- how, well, how did you, why did you leave? What, what was the, the light bulb or what, what sparked you Ev- leaving? Everybody asked that. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> one light bulb. It was okay. like a, a chandelier um, over time. You know, I just started to meet people that I kept outside of my social circle, uh, and I received compassion from them, and they were the people that I least deserved it from when I least deserved it. And I'd never had a meaningful interaction with the people that I claimed to hate. I didn't have black friends. I didn't have Latino friends. I didn't have gay friends. I was so secluded from everybody. But when you were in high school, you were the high school football captain. That's right. You had black players. You had Hispanic players. You didn't have just white dudes. And you, 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 you were able to work on the field together as a unit. Right. Why, didn't, why do you think at that time it didn't translate into the rest of your life? Because I don't think that I was raised to be a racist. Uh, my parents weren't racist. Okay. They were actually Italian immigrants who came to the U.S. in the 60s, and they were the victims of prejudice when they came. Um, but I felt really abandoned by them because they were, having, they were working really, really hard, sometimes seven days a week. 14 hours a day, and I didn't see it then. You know, growing up, you're a teenager, and you're like, where the fuck are my parents? Uh, but now, being a parent myself, they were working hard to support the family. Um, but, you know, I felt marginalized. I felt like I didn't really fit in. I didn't know what my identity was. I didn't know if I was Italian. I didn't know if I was American. I didn't know if I was Italian-American, American-Italian. Uh, so, uh, you know, I went out, and I, I was searching, just like everybody else, for an identity, a community, and a sense of purpose. Do you think it's easier in 87 to get involved with this stuff or 2017 to get involved with hate groups oh uh well in 1987 it was it was brand new so nobody really knew what a skinhead was in 87 that was before oprah had him on and before geraldo got his nose broke by one uh and uh, nobody really knew Uh, and actually the guy who recruited me was america's first neo-nazi skinhead leader um so was it easier to join back then i don't think so uh, is it easier to join now? Uh, it's certainly more widespread uh, with the internet. We're seeing a lot of you know, propaganda going back and forth that's influencing people, news sites that I won't talk about, Breitbart. Um, 
We could talk about Breitbart because people know Breitbart, but I don't want right. to name any other site that's not at that level. No, right. we don't want to do that. No. I, I know you're, for the listener at home, he's smiling at me, like asking <laughs> what was the site. Well, no, I mean, they're, they're writing about me right now. I guarantee oh, it. I'm sure they are. I guarantee it. So one of the fun things about this show is I'm uh, real-life friends with both people that are on Fox News on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question because I am very – I'm always, like, that whole skinhead culture is very interesting. And just the, the – when you hear – and even when you go back with the Nazis and things and Hitler, and it's like he's a tiny man, and he was not exactly an Aryan and all this and not blonde hair, blue eyes. How did he – how did that skinhead leader think, you, sir – Italian immigrant parents be a skinhead. Like, why? Well, it didn't start out with racism at first. He didn't, okay. he didn't teach me to hate at first. He brought me in with pride, and he would say things like, you're a European, your ancestors are great warriors, oh, your okay. you know, Roman civilization influenced you know, the rest of Europe and the rest of the world, and, yeah. he, and he built me up, and he made me very proud of who I was, and I, I already was, yeah. uh, because I grew up in a really small Italian uh, you know, family, um, and then after a while, it would turn into, oh, yeah, and you should be proud, oh, and by the way, people are taking that away from you, and then it would turn into, oh, those people, those other people that are taking that away from you, you should really try and stop them first. Oh, and then, by the way, you should hurt them and then kill them if you can. It seems like in 87, it seems like when you were a kid, there wasn't, the, there wasn't so much hatred of the other as there is now, or at least acceptable hatred of the other. Like Esmeralda was talking about on Sinclair and in the, in the Terror Watch, you said? Yeah, terror watch. Terrorism yeah. watch. I it think. seems like that's now the norm, and it's no longer a shocking thing. And and I'm wondering how does that affect what you do when you're speaking to kids if their parents are watching the things that you think are maybe a bad thing. Well, I would say that we've probably become a little bit numb to the fear rhetoric. Okay. Um, you know, back in the '80s and '90s, there were racist people everywhere, just like there are now, uh, and. You know, there, I don't think that there are more racists today than there were then. It just wasn't cool to talk about it. It's like they came out of the sewer, and we'd been keeping the sewer cap on it for many, many years, thinking we were moving towards a post-racial society, which we weren't. And now, you know, the election happened, and those sewer caps popped off. And so many people want to push them back down into the sewer. And I say, let them come out, because I can. So you tell think you, it's good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think it's great. I think that uh, while what they're saying is is you know is terrible, it's disgusting in many ways. Uh, and they're certainly hurting people. There are hate crimes on the rise. Uh, I think we needed to see it to believe it. I think we needed to see the problem exists in this country to, to really understand how to, to deal with it. That is a, a wonderful, debatable point that there's not going to be consensus on. But I would just like to point out that all those people that are writing about you are going to take that quote out of context and oh, say yeah. that that's the thing, that you're actually funded by all of these horrible people, and yeah. yeah, no, I'm not. I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you that I am absolutely not funded so by anybody. So, how much do you make a year, and what's your social security number? <laughs> Birth date too. Uh, you're going to speak. Mother's maiden name. You're, oh, that's in the book. They've already got all that. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. Uh, what What makes you afraid? Does anything make you afraid at this point? You know, no, I'm not afraid of a lot. Um, what makes me afraid right now is how mainstream what I used to believe is becoming and how marketing savvy they've gotten at making the message more palatable to reach more people, to fool more people. 
that's scary to me um, because it's not a new concept. 30 years ago, even we recognized like the skinhead thing, it's scaring the average American racist away. They don't like the swastika. They don't like the tattoos. Oh, so let's grow our hair out. Let's not get the tattoos. Let's put suits on. Let's go to college. Let's get jobs in law enforcement. Let's run for office. That was 30 years ago. We called it leaderless resistance. They're now calling it the alt-right. Um, and uh, that's what scares me, is that they're actually shiny enough to fool people into buying you know, that fake gem. A year ago, at this time, I was at the RNC, and I was covering for WGN, who's you owned are. by Sinclair Broadcasting. And um, yeah. I went to the Milo book thing. Oh, yeah. I went to the, I don't, and I'm not saying his last name, not because I don't think he needs the platform, but because, because I, you can't pronounce it. I can't it. pronounce it. Right. So um, I went to the Milo book party, and it was literally, it was capacity, it was 200 person room, it was 100 journalists, uh, and it was like 50 people that were paid to be there, 20 belie- true believers, and then 30 publicists and PR people. And as soon as the open bar was done, 90% of the journalists left. I was one of those people. And to me, I thought, this is, this is great. This is proof that it's not happening, that the election is clearly going to go the other way, and that there's just nothing to worry about. And I was wrong. So... In you the were bo- very wrong. I was okay. Yeah, I, I was the only one. Oh, um. I just, I just remember those days because, like, it was a thing of like, I'm really worried. You're like, don't be worried. There's literally. It's got hats. Fine. It's fine. So and I, I was just like, okay. That's why I think right. the sewer analogy is so apt because at that time, and if things turned out a little bit different a few months ago, I don't think we would be where we're at with the openness of the alt right now. Do you think that we would be in this... This is a kind of pointless, kind of fun thought experiment. Do you think we would be in this place of an acceptance of the alt-right if things turned out differently on November 8th? No, I don't think so. Because I don't think it would be getting a lot of the media attention that it's getting. Okay. Um, I, th- I think it would still survive kind of in the corners of the internet and, and, and still be out there influencing people. And I think that if you saw somebody like Hillary getting elected, that the propaganda you'd see ramp up from the far right... And you may get a lot more people joining, but I don't think it would get the cachet that it's gotten because of, of it being on every you know, news channel from Fox to CNN to you know, MSNBC or John Oliver. Great. So we're in a horrible place. Now, how you do important work. You're literally going to speak to the UN. Yeah. You've known about this for a lot longer than the majority of the people that are listening to you. What is something, anything, that a normal person could do? And by normal, I mean literally everyone that isn't you could do to make the world a, a better place? I know that's a fucking hack question, but come on, I gotta ask it. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a stupid question. I think we can all do, so, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how do we solve racism? There's so much That's not gonna happen. Racism. Let's go small. Let's go real <laughs> and, small. And, and that's where I go. I go small. You know, we can affect the people that are closest to us, our friends, our family, our coworkers, you know, the person that you pass on the street every day. Say hi to them. Start a conversation with them. It doesn't have to be about politics. You'll find that we have more in common with people when we focus on the commonalities instead of you know, starting right off the bat with you know, who'd you vote for. Um, and I think but, okay, we should start there. To be, yeah, but we're in Chicago. I do the show in D.C. Chicago went, what, like 94% not Trump, and D.C. went 92% not Trump because they love Gary Johnson out there. So what? why... It's, a, it's super easy to start a conversation in city limits. Well, I was in Montana. Okay, here we I, go. And I was doing a talk in Montana, and I invited Richard Spencer, 
Uh, for those who don't know, Richard Spencer is kind of like the alt-right poster boy. Uh, and uh, he spends half his time in Virginia and half of it in, in Montana. And I invited him to my talk, and he came. And I spent two hours talking to him afterwards. I invited him for coffee. And? You'll have to wait and see what comes out <laughs> next week. So check, <laughs> check the Google. Okay, well, what? It was good. It was a good conversation. You know, what did you take? What did you think? What did you take away in the sense of... As a person, is he just a dick bag? You don't have to be rich. I just mean, like, is he just an asshole in just a general sense? He is the brash, well-dressed guy that you would think. Okay, number one, he's not well-dressed because he's too overweight for his suits. Once you're too overweight for your suits, you have to realize who you are as a human being. I don't wear suits I used to wear five years ago because I realize they don't fit properly. Don't be a hater. But I mean... No, no, no. no. That's bipartisan. I don't care what side of the alley you're on. Fashion matters for a point. Like the re- I'm dressed like this for a reason. I'm trying to project Mr. Rogers with this. I'm trying to project relatively reasonable with an H&M shirt. This tie is vintage, and I got this tie clip for my wife, but it's also a screw because we're getting all screwed. Get it? And then these pants are yeah, reasonable. Are I bought them on clearance at J. Crew. Don't make fun of J. Crew because if you know how to shop, it's the same price as Marshall's, motherfuckers. And I wear these gym shoes because they're both relatable and they're comfortable. So to say that fashion doesn't matter is fucking racist. Apologize. Well, no, so I'm just wondering, like, you... So I'm assuming he saw you as an equal. Do you think? Do you think he saw you as an equal? I think he did. I mean, do you I think fe- everybody sees Did you sees feel us- like he was talking down to you, or he was kind of just giving you the bullshit he always gives to everybody? I think, he tr- I think he tried. But what I found out, and you asked me, you know, what did I feel from him, is he's broken, just like the yeah. rest of us. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, is he as a person? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you said, s- something, there's something, you said there. something very interesting here. He's broken just like the rest of us. Right. How so? I think we're all broken. I think we all have potholes in our lives that through periods have deviated us. And some of it, you know, some people experience trauma, some abuse, some addiction, some mental illness, uh, you know, lack of education, poverty, whatever. We all have something in our lives that, that either did deviate us or could have potentially deviated us. And for him, his pothole, I believe, was that, you know, he didn't have a really good Family life, wah wah. And do you, you know, wait? Like, and do you think deep down he's a good person? Think, do you think if you if you if you yeah. tunnel enough? I, I think I think yes. I think I think deep down is the real Richard Spencer, and I think that ninety nine percent of what everybody sees is an act. It's a facade. Uh, it's a mechan- It's a defense mechanism, mm. and it's theater. I really think so. Three uh, things. Before you continue, I want you to continue. Number one, I have to mention this because I wrote a book about wrestling and I do a (laughs) podcast about wrestling in addition to this. The only person that's broken is broken Matt Hardy. Number two, (laughs) number two, I I think it's interesting that both Esmeralda started to smile slash laugh when you said Richard Spencer is deep down a good person and some people in the crowd did as well because number three, I completely, I think that everyone at their core is a good person. Right. Well, no, because you always see him, and just you think he's the epitome of evil, and that's the. But that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, is he really? You know, is there something there that we can work with? Yeah. Once the, all the bullshit is gone. Oh, yeah. Listen, I was a bigger asshole than Richard Spencer was. 
Trust me. Wow. Are you, in any part of you, just jealous the internet didn't exist when you were at the top oh, of your game? No, you, like, you I could have t- been. I could have been no, the meme of the week. No, no. I could have been getting punched on inauguration day. Uh, no, I am. I am often the meme of the week in their circles. But I tell you, if the internet were around when I was around, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Because there would you, be too much document. Do you think you'd be in jail, or do you think you would have never gotten into this because you would have found a separate group? No, I, I think I, I would be in jail. Um, I'd be in jail for sure. Uh, I think you know people are finding these groups because of the internet. Sure. And you know I love the internet, but yeah, you know, listen, he he, I hate what he believes in. I think you know he's a he's a pompous. Uh, I called him a pseudo intellectual. He didn't like that very much. Um, but I also think that you know he has a reality that has never crossed over into your reality. Brandon, or your reality as Morello. And do you think he believes it? Do you think he believes everything he's saying, or do you think he's just kind of just saying shit just to rile people up? I think he believes at a fundamental level what he's talking about, but I think he is ramping it up for, for the cameras. Okay. I really do. I, th- I think that. Um, and he gave me a hug. I took a picture with him. I'll show it to you. We're both given a peace sign. Um, and uh, well, you know, you're you're. He promised to meet me again. White to him, so it's okay. He yeah. <laughs> No, listen. He, I mean, what do you believe? He's a dick, right? Like, he's, his his ideas are are dickish. Let's say that. Um, he was nice to me, and I was nice to him. And I think that uh, I would like to have another conversation with him. I feel like I planted a seed. I wasn't expecting to change Richard Spencer, you know, magically after one of my talks. But uh, it was good to spend time with him to understand that you know he's not some monster. And you know, frankly, if he if he did a quarter of the shit that I did when I was you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, I would be a little bit afraid of him. But I'm not. Is any part of you right now just kind of bragging that like? I'm, you were literally a tough guy, and you could literally punch back. Yeah, and I totally, and, and I didn't, and I didn't. I actually told him. I said, Richard, I said we're in this auditorium. It was just me and him and a camera. I actually had a camera with me, so two hours of this is filmed, and it was me, him, and a camera. And I said, Richard, you know, I could literally murder you right now, and nobody would know, and nobody would care. Mm-hmm. And he said, Well, you know, I take Tai Chi, and I said. You really want to try? Wait, it? does he know what Tai Chi is? And then we laughed about it, and you know, I mean, it was it was cordial. It was you know, it was. I don't want to so say. So what ple- you're saying is you pleasant. literally you literally threatened a man's life, and then you followed it up with it was cordial. Uh, yeah, I didn't kill him. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> listen, if we if we went around punching everybody that we disagreed with, we'd all have black eyes, and you know, we'd all hate each other. Uh, do you do you think your tattoos help you? Because I think they, they have do. to. They do. If yeah. I'm a, if I'm a 17 year old kid and I'm seeing you speak and like you look like a badass, you've played in bands, you've toured with Joan Jett. Well, if I'm 17, I don't give a shit about you, Joan Jett. Hey, 17 year old Joan Jett's important. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if I see you, I give you more credit. Do you always yeah. expose your arms when you're speaking? I don't wear tank tops just like you. Fair enough. Now, wait, for the, for the, because we are a audio, audio podcast, podcast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. What, what is on your arms that you think would, would so cause I'm, I'm, any I'm, sort of like, oh. I'm fairly covered in tattoos for, yes. the, for the listening audience. Okay. Um, many of those at one point in my life were very offensive tattoos, uh, all of which have been covered up except for one. Uh, and it's actually one that is a band around my arm here, and it's, it's Scandinavian or Nordic runes mm-hmm. in a band. Uh, and to most people, when they see that, 
first of all, they don't know what they are, and second of all, they would never make the connection that that the neo-Nazi movement co-opted that, and even you know Hitler co-opted runes. Um, but if you're in the know, you know, right? And one day, seven years ago, I was walking down the street, uh, and I had uh, already co-founded my organization, Life After Hate, and uh, somebody came up to me, and he's like, hey, bro, nice tattoo, white power. And I thought for a second, and I said, hey, bro, let's talk. And that was actually my first intervention. Wow. Yeah. So it, does, it, it opens doors. I mean, it does have credibility. I, you know, I can tell you that I would never, at 17 years old, would have talked to a cop or a teacher or a parent or somebody from the neighborhood or a priest. But if somebody that you know, was kind of like me, uh, looked like me with tattoos, I would have probably listened if it was somebody that I respected. And um, yeah, so I go, I go in wanting to strangle most of the people that I work with <laughs> because of the things that they say, but I don't ever argue ideologically with them. That's not my approach because I know that that just pushes us further away. What I do is I listen for those potholes that I talked about, and then I fill them. So I try to make people more resilient uh, so that they don't have to blame the other for what they feel is being taken away. But then I also immerse them in situations that they've never been in. I'll introduce a Holocaust denier to a Holocaust survivor or uh, an Islamophobe to an imam or a Muslim family. Uh, and I build that bridge because oftentimes they've never, ever in their lives had a meaningful interaction with the people that they hate. And I, that was the case for me. I played, I played football with, you know, people of color, of all different colors, and, and on the football field it was fine. It wasn't, you know, I had a mission. I was always driven by something. Uh, but when we left the locker room, they were my enemies. And, you know, I didn't know them. And that's why, and most of it was because I hated myself. I projected my own well, self-hatred yeah. onto others. We clearly, and if, I don't understand why people are like, oh yeah, he hated it. Like, that should be so, it's such a given. You clearly hate yourself if you're doing this stuff. Yeah. A lot of broken people in that movement. Once again, there's only one broken person. His name is Matt Hardy, and he's on the... <laughs> trying to ring some levity here. Jesus Christ, everybody. Um, let's end with some fun stuff. Do you think... You're, you're an Italian-American man. Do you think if, this, if uh, you were in high school in 97 when The Sopranos was at its peak, you would just be a big Sopranos fan? <laughs> I am a big Sopranos there you fan. Go. There you go. There you go. But... Uh, I was a tight end. What wah, position wah. did he play in football, by the way? No Some people don't realize that uh, we're recording this for a podcast. To me, you fit in the same I'm one lane. One of the good ones. You fit in the same. <laughs> you fit in the same lane as like a W. Kamau Bell, who I adore, and friend of the show, Bragg. Uh, you are doing really, to me, common sense work that's incredibly difficult that most people don't ever confront and understand, and it's a. Uh, and in addition to confronting your past, you're making the world a better place. Um, good luck. Thank you. That's sincere. Good luck. And I think that people like you are, are really going already, to... You already know you're, you're changing the world for the better. When do you think racists will understand graphic design? <laughs> you know, I've been struggling with that for years. I actually learned Photoshop <laughs> after I got out of the movement. But you're right. They're, they're okay, pretty bad so at it. Okay, so when you were into like, like screwdriver and shit like that, I get it. That was an aesthetic choice. It was the 80s. It's cut and paste. It's 2017, everybody. <laughs> Instagram filters are free. Use them, racist. It doesn't have to look like shit. Yeah, but if you look at the creator, you know when you first open Photoshop and it lists like the 3,000 names of the creators that actually made that product? 
they won't use it because they're Asian and they're Jewish and they're, you know. I can't tell if you're making a joke right now or you're serious. I don't know if you're making... I mean, I could see that completely. Why would you use the product? I don't know if Christian knows he's making a joke or if he's sitting in effect right now. I was not making a joke. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, listen, let me tell you, Come on, like some racist can't get together and be like, we're going to handle this shit. We're going to reverse engineer it. No, they they do that in the dark. They they use Photoshop when nobody's looking, but... It doesn't look good, though. No, they don't have enough practice. Listen, let me tell you, when I was 17 years old and I was married... Uh, or sorry, not 17. When I was 19 years old and I was married, my wife had a list. She wasn't in the movement. This is something I made her do. She had a list of products that she could buy at the grocery store that were not kosher. That's how ridiculous it was. So I may have been making a joke, but, you know, looking back at it, I don't know that I was. But now... Okay. It's, it's there's no there's literally reality. no good way to end this right now to, to Well how about some... how about you tell us where can we find more information on the book and maybe true. trying to find so what if Esmeralda... you if you know someone who does need help or needs your sure. services. So let's be honest, they're not listening to the show. So that's a pointless thing. <laughs> well, well no, we, there no could stop be it. Someone. Not everybody no. knows somebody that may know somebody. Exactly. That's true. For the people that listen to the show, the people that actually listen to the show that actually like book places that we've done this show, someone like you should be at the Kennedy Center or the Smithsonian or the Library of Congress talking to people in a not boring way. I appreciate that. Well, you can get my book where books are bought. That's easy <laughs> enough. Uh, and, uh, if, and I guarantee you that somebody listening today knows somebody uh, that you know, could use some help. They can go to uh, either lifeafterhate.org, which is my nonprofit that I co-founded, or ExitUSA.org, which is our direct hotline for people who are looking for help. Or, if you want to have some wildcard fun, <laughs> oh boy. type his name into the Google search engine. Mm. Oh, yeah. Plus, and then any terrorism, terrorist, jihad, and then his yeah. stuff will come up, and it'll yes. be real fun. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your complete search history has been shit. And uh, that's wonderful for you. Yeah, and then you'll also find the really fun stuff that the, that the neo-Nazis like to make about me to try and discredit me, like that my real name is Abdullah bin Muhammad and, and that I started ISIS 20 years ago. Uh, Do they Photoshop you, like, in outfits? Oh, yeah. So they've learned some Photoshop. They make hour-long videos what about is, me, like, on the regular. It's, okay, it's, stop no, bragging. Stop they, bragging. I, I can't even... <laughs> but I'm imagining, like, they, they put, like, outfits on him and, like, his head's on, like, an outfit and they're dancing around or Well, something. remind me to show you the one where they photoshopped me to look like a, a, uh, like a rabbi. Uh, and they call me Rabbi Picklestein. Because that's Twitter. real. <laughs> yeah. In between mm-hmm. the times where they've called me a pedophile, a rapist, and, oh, the latest one is President Obama left... Uh, granted me $10 million before he left office so that I could round up all white nationalist young people and put them in FEMA camps. That was Damn. the latest one. So. Is it all you done in MS Paint? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Touche. Hold on. This show, if anything, graphic designers love us. If we could... <laughs> would you be down, if, if possible, if we could do a video where it's an instructional video for people that hate you, how to have better graphic design and better graphics in their propaganda about you. Would you be like, would you green like that? Only if I could dress up in green like Peppy the Frog. Absolutely. Wait, like, we'll, we'll, wait but can yeah, we also... We'll, no, no, this will be... We'll put you in front of a green screen and we'll go, how to make Christian Pepe, and then we'll show them step by step no, how to use Photoshop. No, what we have to do is then you have to give a certain amount of money, you can figure that out later, and then it goes towards... Uh, 
anti-racist things. Yeah. They well, have to pay, and it could be a minimal amount, but they have to pay to get the good stuff, and then it goes to something better no, than No, I just want to learn Photoshop. It's just offensive <laughs> to the eye. How about this? There was an organization in Germany that does what we do, and they went to a neo-Nazi rally, and they handed out T-shirts for free, and the T-shirts had like some kind of white power symbol on it. But when, they t- when these people took the free shirts home and they washed them, the ink dissolved, and it said, if this shirt can change, so can you. And that's pretty awesome. And I bet you they still wore them. That's pretty cool, but I think Photoshop is a lifelong skill that could help everyone. And I'm just trying to make the world a better place. Just like you. If if anything, my job is more important than yours. I mean, bad Photoshop hurts all eyes, regardless of race, is all I'm saying. Yeah. So plugs is you'll be at the UN. Uh, Check them out at (laughs) UN.com. Uh, .org. Da, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. It's my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Christian Pichelini. Maybe don't play anything with final in the countdown (laughs) after he's done talking. (laughs) Jesus Christ. If you would like more information about Christian, go to christianpicciolini.com. It's C-R-I-S-T-I-N-P-I-C-C-I-O-L-I-N-I.com. If you just start typing it in Google, it'll show up, I promise. Also, it's linked in the podcast description. Follow him on Twitter. It's at sign C-P-I-C-C-I-O-L-I-N-I. For Life After Hate, it's a very important 501c3. Um, it's, 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 It's kind of important right now, probably more than ever. Go to lifeafterhate.org. Thanks for Christian for doing this. Thanks to Dimitri Samarov for designing our artwork. Thanks to Daniel Knox for our soundtrack. Also, thanks to Seth and Esmeralda for being part of the show. If you would like more information about me, my name is Brandon Weatherby. Follow me on Twitter. It's at sign YMTE. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful night.